Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. back mlb topics here getting seriously into i mean, I feel like the season's not that far away is that crazy I, pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting in a couple weeks it feels yeah. crazy and that means that our season is coming coming to a close here season six yeah season seven will start when pitchers and catchers report uh but for one pitcher surprise news here didn't see this sad news hendrix wait he very surprising that's tough very surprising news uh He's our age, right? I mean, he is like exactly yeah, our yeah. age. Um, wow, it's gonna be a lot. Yeah, I mean, fantasy wise, I'm, I, you know, best wishes to him, and hopefully he recovers, and hopefully he's he's um, he's gonna come back to the peak form that he would was in. Um, but fantasy wise, yeah, you got to stay away from that that story. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad. It's obviously sad, and it's going to. And I'd stay away from the White Sox. Um, well, I was just going to say it's going to throw. I mean, it is going to throw the entire White Sox. I would argue it's a big. That's kind of a team destabilizer when you've invested so heavily in one unique person for your team, uh-huh. like a closer, like you know the elite, elitist closer in baseball, <laughs> and something yeah. happens, and this is a big something. Um, that's a tough fantasy situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Best best wishes to him. Best wishes to the Chicago to deal with that. And, yeah. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully everything. Hopefully, hopefully, get some good news there. Uh, Korea. In terms of somebody who's manufacturing their own drama. Jeez, what, what does he want to be? Is going Al- on. Alex Rodriguez two point What is, is that, going on with him? Is that it? Is there? I mean, is there any chance that there's something in the physical uh-huh. that is making teams balk? Yes. What is it? It's it's weird. I mean, I've been trying to figure out. Like, we have we have very censored information, right? So two teams have backed out. Seem to have backed out of very long deals. Yeah. What is that telling us? Is that telling us that there his camp really wants a long deal because they think he's only going to play for like three more years, and you know, like like he wants to get he wants to get paid, or is it that they don't think he's going to be playable right now? I'm, I mean, I'm trying to read between the lines and figure out, is Correa going to be a useful fantasy piece this year? Or... Uh, he's... Is he a top 12 shortstop, fantasy-wise? I think... I mean, two years ago, this would have been a hilarious conversation. Like, obviously, yes. And... Yeah, but we started... I remember I remember distinctly five years ago when there was a whole lot of talk about Correa being the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being like, I don't really like... I don't really like what he brings to the table. And it's only he's his hopes and dreams have only gotten less. Well, he was he was good on the Astros. He like in terms He was of, fine on the Astros. In terms of like a team that improved him, Astros are great. Was, yeah. The problem is yeah, awesome. on the twins he's it's bad because the twins are asking him to drive things. What? I just you just make sure that Korea knows what's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 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 twins are bad because they're asking him to do something useful for the team. And it really is like, 
what team can do something useful for Correa? Well, for fantasy wise, I mean, because because at this at the same time, remember that he's he's worth a lot more to a actual baseball team because his defense is still very good. But that's why the Mets made sense as a landing spot. So as soon as the Mets have fallen through, okay. seem to have fallen through. I don't know what to think anymore. Like, what's actually going on? <laughs> You're also like, the, I mean, someone's got to be grifting this somehow to make sure that he's, like, playing, right? And Mets is this kind of organization where you feel like that would be the easiest target. Get him into Queens. I do like this other article that you shared about the potential yeah. number of potential Hall of Famers. This is a great, a great stats thing just to go and mix in. So the tagline here is that recent history shows that 35 to 40 Hall of Famers appear in each season. I mean, this is like the perennial fantasy thing, right? It's like somebody's going to be good this year. Who's it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, someone's got to get the plate appearances and get the and, and get the stats for fantasy wise, but also for for Hall of Fame. Like people are going to look back and be like, wow, I didn't expect insert player X here. To be in the Hall of Fame conversation, but there he is. Yep. There he is. Um, yeah. So who uh, who do you want to see? <laughs> I like what I liked was um, that I hadn't actually seen this before, but I guess somebody had been doing this for previous years. So two years. I like what I liked was the part where they were like two years ago they made predictions and it was like Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Anthony Rendon, Fernando Tatis Jr. Like, mm, I agree. already <laughs> I agree. All of those are problematic. Um, Tier one is not very interesting, like the guaranteed ones. Tier two, I suspect both of those guys, which is Grinky and Votto, are going to make it. I think tier three is probably, I think both tier three and tier four are probably like 50% of those guys make it. So tier four is just brings the age down to late 20s. So it's going to be Betts, Harper, Ramirez, Lindor, Bogarts, Turner. (laughs) It seems funny to talk about those guys being in the Hall of Fame because it's hard to imagine right now any of them. But I would guess that on balance, 50% of those guys are going to make it. I feel like Bogarts really hurt his case by changing teams. I think Betts helped his case by changing teams. <laughs> Conversely, um, I don't think that it. I don't think that it mattered either way. I think Betts is if 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 he's able to play another six years, if he's able to play another like four or five years at the level that he plays right now, yeah. Um, and if he's able to play another six seven years total, yeah, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um. Xander Bogarts, you can just see this by war. Mookie Betts right now is at 50 war. Yeah. Xander Bogarts, who won an additional World Series with the Red Sox before um, Betts was even there, is at 34 war, which tells you the difference in those players. And he's older. Yep. Three, four years older. Yeah, I think, I mean, Harper, I suspect, I think Harper makes it. I'd be very surprised if Harper doesn't make it. Oh, yes, no, Bogarts, I mean, maybe they are about the same age. What is Bogarts' age? <laughs> and then of course there's the there's the guys that were on the 22 the 2017 Astros. I mean what yeah. what is your take on Jose Altuve? Without without any sort of scandal, Altuve makes it 100%. Yes. But with scandal, he does not. I think with scandal he doesn't. Betts and Bogarts are the same age. I didn't realize Ooh. that. Um I was thinking that I was I was thinking that there's an age difference in there. Hmm. Oh. Bogart, I mean Bogarts plays a harder position. Let's do let's do some main topic here which is how are we going to convert our projections into rankings? Uh, it's a, this year, let's do it. Okay, that's the first thing because we've talked okay. about this and we haven't really, really done that. And I think that it is, I think that it's going to be the, 
really fun exercise to try to get this done. See if we can get someone to uh, consume this in their (laughs) aggregations. Well, I think the earlier we do it, the better, because right now they're starved for content <laughs> yeah fantasy bros does have have data fantasy pros has did you look at um, how many there are there's five yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah, like are they are they gonna turn down number six right now when they're absolutely starved for stuff like no they're not going to no no, no. um pro- 2023 projections are up on uh fan graphs as well so i know yeah let's let's start let's start getting them up okay so um i th- i think that the first thing that we need to do I love what we do in our projections, and I think that the weakest piece of it is right the multiplier that we're putting through there right now, plate appearances and, and innings pitch. Is we're just taking what we did last, what each one of these players did last yes. year. Then we're extrapolating it. Where there are clear outliers from last year that we know about in either direction, and that doesn't take into account, you know, new positions. So I think step number one has got to be to go from phase zero to phase one hmm. of plate appearance and innings pitch forecasts. Yeah, and we've we've kicked this around, and we have a bunch of ideas. I mean, you wrote a great potential avenue here, and we we did this. We tried this last year, um, and it it kind of it works in certain cases. And that what we did last right, year was right. forecast guys based on their lineup order, and then you you just kind of shift the problem into a different thing which is how many games are guys going to get <laughs> yep, yep yep which is so there's always there's always a limiting factor and so i think the pa factor is not the real issue to me the real issue to me for the most part is how many games are different guys going to play okay okay so you're you're trying to shift it back into if we know we'll assume lineup order is a little bit more of a clear thing for us and then we can then we have to figure out games games played but isn't that a little bit more knowable than just trying to forecast played appearances because we know we know the guys that are 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 going to be 150 games yeah versus 160 games and we know the guys that are sort of i'd be more comfortable in using like last year it ends up being really data i'm sorry we're talking about this and reacting to this directly thinking about it on the fly but the games is a little bit more knowable to figure out because we can i i'd be more comfortable using the games played from previous year to this year except knowing injuries no no, like known injury um injury time yeah i mean i think i think for the most part we need to act in good faith and project like guys aren't going to get injured and we just have to announce you know that like these rankings take are these rankings are non-injury rankings and except for guys where we know that they're going to play where we have a really good reason to think that they're not going to play a bunch bryce harper yeah bryce harper byron buxton i mean mike trout like all these guys <laughs> like all these guys that that if you forecast them on a per game basis and just said well you know mike trout always bats third in the angels lineup so we should pencil him in for 700 plate appearances as yeah. i look at yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the linear extrapolation you're like no that's nope. incredibly dumb nope, nope, <laughs> don't do that do that so um yeah like assuming lebron james would play 82 games in the season yeah so i think but this is where so basically i think that my open question to you is have we reached the end of what we can do from data and now we're into we're out of algorithm land and we're in a little bit to neural net in our brain sense gut feeling land 
Well, right, because I think the order of operations is to try to try to go from phase zero to phase one on the plate appearance innings pitch multipliers. From there, then we make manual tweaks to those to the projections that we have in the system. That can go. That can either be in the plate appearances innings pitch, so we can just take. You know, Byron, but we, if we do some algorithm, then we look back and we're like, okay, well, Byron Buxton, Mike Trout got a little bit too much and Lindor got a little bit too little. We make those on the multiplier and then make the tweaks on, um, the other stats. And then from there, we re rank everybody with some sort of algorithm. Okay. And then from that, we make manual adjustments to the rankings based on, because, you know, as, as we've said, we, we have error bands. Yeah. We have uncertainty in there and we can make adjustments. Um, well, one thing that we've never done is add any uncertainty bands to the plate appearances and we could easily do that now. Like, Oh, so, okay. So, well, we, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do why? that. I, 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 well, I like that there is a multiplier and that we're, it's almost in my head. I, you know, I have, cordoned off this is the multiplier that we're going through and just thinking through that that variable not with uncertainty in there i'm going through those uncertainties in my head we have all uncertainties written out for everything else yeah i mean i guess just to right so our rate uncertainties are actually really good like demonstrably every time we've checked the uncertainties in our rates and our predicted our predicted uncertainties in rates were bang on. The issue is really in the denominator. So to me, mm-hmm. forecasting some uncertainty in the denominator makes it so that we can actually forecast uncertainties in the real values over the course of the year. I agree with you that they're less informative in that case because when we do that, we're going to have, for any individual player, we're going to have <laughs> so huge many bands. We're going to have big uncertainty yeah. bands. But I guess part, I mean... I guess the question is, what what are we really trying to do with this? We're really trying to tell people when they should draft certain players. And so for that, I guess you're right that we shouldn't consider uncertainties in the denominators because we want to do upside drafting for the most part. What I, yeah, no, we, we want to say this is, yeah, this is about where you should be picking this player. So we want to have the player... If the uncertainty says that player X could be player 32 or player um, 62, it's not about us being able to predict like, oh, over the course of, you know, over the course of the outcomes, he will be player 32 10% of the time and player 62 10% of the time. It's about saying, we think that you need to, we're going to rank him 42 because if you want to grab him, Number one, we think that his upside is higher than his downside. Yeah. And then number two, if you want to have him, then you have to get him at 42, not the middle of yeah. 32 yeah. and 62, Yeah, which is 47. So if you do 42, then you're going to get him more often than not in in that band versus, it, say, like, you know, usually I'm on the other side of, like, Bryce Harper. Mm. It's like, well, he could be player, he could be player 10, he could be player 80, mm-hmm. and in my opinion... So what is the what is the middle of those two is player forty five? Well, I'm gonna rank him at player fifty because I think that you don't want to have him on your team more often than not. And 
you know, someone else might say, you might say, well, I want to rank him at, I see that same scenario, but I think you do want him player 30. Yeah. You know, that's where we need to get to in these manual adjustments of the rankings after we've done, you know, I, I'm always in the work that I do. A lot of it is automation, I think is, is Mm -hmm. what, what the term is where it's, there's automation, but then there's a human element to it at the end of it. And we need to have, I like to split those up as much as possible. Here's the automated part. At the end of it, here's the human part, right? Right. And I mean, the question is, right. And this is what I was, I, that's a great way of putting it. And what I was trying to get at earlier is how far do we push the automation part? When do we say, okay, we're done with the automation leg. And I would argue that we're actually pretty close to done with the automation leg. We, we are. Giving, that's what yeah. I'm just saying. Can we get a little bit tighter on the plate appearances? Right. And so, pitched? and you might say no. Well, I think, no, no, no. I think we can because what we have right now is a product where, if you give me a player's batting order lineup and how many games they're going to play, I can tell you within within 25 PAs how many they're going to get over the whole season. So do we want to do our, our, that ourselves based on previous data? Do we want to, Do you want me to glean that from other people's um, projections? I think, well, how do, I think we should do it ourselves based on previous data. I think we should I think we should basically do the same sort of weighting scheme that we do for previous year's performance except do it on number of games played i think lineups we're going to have to do manually because as guys shift around the league we've talked about this off and on we talk about this a lot right as guys shift around the league their lineup positions are going to change and so we need to i think that part we have to do manually the number of games we can do algorithmically we look at what what everybody got last year and we check it against previous years and say is it sufficiently different that we need to go in and tweak it by hand and then we just let the model, the PA model, which is rock solid from year to year, <laughs> like the number of the number of plate appearances that are gotten by a leadoff hitter is almost invariable from year to year, somewhere between seven twenty five right. and seven seventy five. Right, it, it, like we know that someone who is batting six is not going to eclipse a batter batting first. Yeah, right. And I mean, these numbers are the one hundred and sixty two game numbers in this figure that I'm showing you. So. Like, if somebody bats fourth, they're never, even if they played 162 games, they're not going to get more than 70, 710 plate appearances. Two guys, as a reminder, played 162 games last year. So this is a big-time upper limit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who were the two that played? It was, the, it was uh, the two guys on the Braves. It was Riley and Swanson. There you go. Okay, so then then what are the action items here? Um you what do you want me to do what do you yeah so i think what do you want to do um i'm going to produce what i'll do immediately is produce a guess of number of games and then we need to go through and see if any of those seem crazy <laughs> and oh, then we need to look, are you going are we going to do this in in, in a repo you're going to put, put a i'll repo. do a repo let's do it and okay. then we get me a pr that i can take uh, a look yeah, at yeah let's and do it and then the other thing that we need is uh to take a stab at lineups for this upcoming year. And one thing that I found in previous investigations was you can just assume an effective lineup spot for guys, and it's pretty good. Like the effect of somebody batting third, fourth, fifth randomly throughout the season is effectively the same as batting fourth all the time. So, like, don't bother doing something more than... Don't bother doing something more than whatever position they batted in the median number of times, their median batting order. Oh, okay, okay. Well, do you have that number for everybody? I do, but 
for anyone that moved, <laughs> you have to. No, no, no. But we need a starting point, right? Yes. Yep. So I can pull the median. I'll give you the median batting numbers, and then we just need to tag everyone who's on a different team. Okay, flag those. But we, you also have to tag guys. It's it's a challenge. We're going to have to look at everyone who moved teams, and then we need to look at the teams that they went to and see if we forecast something different. So, I mean, the canonical case that I'm thinking of right now is Dansby Swanson, right, in mm. in Atlanta. But now he's going to – he has to displace everyone in the Cubs down a spot on average, I would assume. Does he? Oh, it would be so bad if they didn't. I mean, this is, again, where it's going to get into feeling because we don't actually know where Dansby Swanson is going to bat. But – I think that it's, but it's, I think that it's fine for us to say, like, um, to, to sort of forecast things by player. There's, there's taking into account mm-hmm. the rest of the team, but then you put it on the player. But then you might have two number two hitters in, like, the Dodgers. Yeah. When, when it, like, when it comes down to it, the way that we put it, put it into the, into the model. And, and, you know, it might be something that's head scratching, but it, I think it's, going to get to the right conclusion more okay. than us being like exact like okay there can only be a number one only one one number one hitter on every team from every yeah team. i mean i agree with that i would say it's more like you have two 2.3 hitters yes yeah. yeah the nice thing is that this lineup spot relationship is completely linear so if you you know if you depending you can extrapolate between lineup spots we don't have to say this guy's a two hitter like say oh on this team you have two 2.4 hitters. This is like how no one's ADP is actually one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It can't be. Yeah. How could Because no one was picked zero. Exactly. So somebody, they're, they're always going to be some guys piled up. So effectively, you have that same so thing. So to be able to have an ADP of Every one, single person would have, have to pick take, one. Or, or we would take into account keepers. It's like uh, everybody kept one player. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a 10-team league, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we have some action items. Um, we have some action items. We'll get this. We'll get this. We'll get these out. This is going to be really I'm cool. excited about it. This will be a year. I think that about brings us to the review session. Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez has been a guy that has notoriously snuck under my radar, and I'm, I don't know. I just have to, I just needed to admit that. Five seasons so far. 2022. Five. Five seasons. That's crazy to me. Five seasons. Uh, in 2022, however, he had a 2.82 ERA, a 1.16 whip. He pitched... 201 innings wow 194 strikeouts and he gets 17 wins um those are great those are great stats (laughs) oh man um yeah he's guy and yet i'm still probably not going to draft him no you don't think so i don't i don't think so was it was it last year or the year before that he was a fantasy darling i think it was it was he was 2021. Yes, he was he was a fan. Because 2020, everybody looked, was excited, and then he. Well, he only got 22. He only started 22 games in 2021, right? Right, but he played only 22 games, so he started in all those. Because I think they sent him down, didn't they? Oh, or was it? Or he sent him down, or he was they hurt? Put him, was he was hurt, weird. but it was weird because he. Oh, he started the season hurt, and then it ah, took him a really yes. long time to come back. That's right, because he didn't come back until June, <laughs> essentially in 2021. Which I think, and then he was fine, but not to the same level that all the um, everybody was. Right, thinking. he was last year the player that people thought that he was going to be in twenty twenty one. So I think I think that's what I'm trying to get. I, <laughs> I guess I I'm looking at his twenty twenty two season and thinking that that's his high water mark. Potentially, 
but I think that he could be pretty close to this for the next three or four years. Maybe. I mean, he is 29, and guys have not seen a lot of him. And there are some things in his StatCast profile that make me a little nervous in the sense that he lets guys hit him hard. Uh, yeah, and his, his strikeout rate is low. But he's on a really good team. He is on so, I mean, so, so, I mean, 17 wins, and he's right? In a good 17 park. wins. That's insane. Yeah. That's like, that's elite stuff, right? In terms of win total. Uh, and he got the innings, and there's nothing to indicate that he won't get the innings in the sense that he had the same number of innings on a per game basis in 2021, 2020, uh, going back before that, too. So, assuming yeah. they're going to, well, for, assuming yeah, they're going to yeah. throw him out for 31 games. He's probably going to get 200 innings. I just think that this 282 and 116 are probably his ERA and WHIP. I think those are optimistic. I oh, well, you tell me what's what's his xERA? What's his xFIP? His xERA was 3.3, and his FIP was 3.06. His xFIP was 2.99. Oh, so I do think that his ERA is going to be a low. Is going to be in the low threes. Mm-hmm. I do. I I agree with you on his um, on his whip, but one point one six isn't exactly. That's not unrealistic elite, but I think that he could be. He's probably in a one point two kind of kind of guy. I think the thing that I am maybe, I think that I'm chafing out a little bit is that I don't want to manage him on a game to game basis. If you told me you could have this average stat at the end of the season. I would be happier about it. So I think, okay, what am I saying? Less, mm, so more, he's directly, roto. more directly, I'm saying I would value him higher in a roto league than I would value him in a head-to-head league. Because so I'm just looking at his game logs here. and No, he's awesome in a roto. That's, it's, that is a player that you want in a roto to just be like, okay, he's in a pitching slot. I don't have to think about this. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Exactly. He's a guy that, right, right. You love the, you love the innings totals because that's incredibly yeah. valuable in a roto sense. But... I'm nervous about managing him on a per game basis. And I think by default, I tend to think of guys on a per game basis in fantasy. So here's the stat that I think that you're probably looking for. His home run to fly ball ratio last year was 12.5. Career, it's 17.3. Of course, you know, averaging it down because of that last yeah. year. But in 2021, where his ERA, ERA and whip were higher... It was 21.4. So, hmm. and early in his career, it was at the 20 mark. So he's going to be a guy where, um, and he's not a extreme ground ball pitcher. It was 66.5% mm-hmm. of his pitches were ground balls. So he gets some fly balls in there. Um, his bad bip and left on base look fine. Um, so it's going to, he's going to be a guy. I mean, I think that there were years where it's like, there are pitchers like that, Aaron Nola, yeah. where it's like, he just got a couple more home runs to fly balls, yep. and all of a sudden his ERA is uh, is a point higher. And the question is, how does he deal with that? Because he's not a strikeout yep. pitcher. So if he's able to just stay the course, he's also a bowling ball in the tie. So if he's just like, I'm just going to stay the course, okay, I let up a home run. He might his career might be really. I good. think in a, in a roto again, this is a roto sense. Like that's fine. Roto. I don't care. That's okay for roto. On a per game basis, if he has more games where he blows up, that's going to be hard to stomach. Yeah, but I mean, between it being he's on the Astros team, yeah. he's 
playing in Minute Maid Park. And he's got a manager who has a bullpen that he can call on. I think that there just aren't really going to be that many that many times where you're going to be like, wow, <laughs> he destroyed my week by going five and a third, and they put him out there for the sixth inning, and he just well, shouldn't have been that okay. out there. I just think that there's not going to be that. Yeah, all right. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. The Astros are much better about pulling guys <laughs> uh, pulling guys out of the game when they need to. Number one, because they can. Yeah. And then <laughs> number two, because they're not a stupid organization. Okay. I, I actually that that actually is one of the most persuasive arguments that I've heard for feeling okay on a daily fantasy for him. I Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh what what daily balls fantasy. what balls do they get in uh in Minute Maid? I don't know. The dead ones or the juiced ones? <laughs> don't know. We gotta follow up. Send those dead we gotta ones. Track that. Goldilocks balls. Yeah. Watch out. Those are probably following someone. Um, ooh, so I think that we actually have, let me go to fantasy pros. What is his current? Oh, I love it. Let's find out. Let's find out what it is. Framber. Okay. What do you think it is? What's your guess? Is ADP? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, oh, yikes. This is a hard one. Um, this is like exactly where I thought. Really? I'm going to go with 58? You're you're within seven, 65. Oh, I, I backed my, I was going to say 70. And then I was like, oh, everyone's going to value him higher than that. So I should have split the difference. I, yeah, I would have put him at 60. Yeah. I just did like in the, in the like hierarchy. Yeah. And uh, 65 sounds okay. about right. I don't know what that is on starting pitcher. So let's see if we can. That's like right in the meat of the starting pitcher distribution. Like that's where everyone's like picking pitchers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. It's twenty pitcher twenty four. That's because it's it's like that's all the all zone. the batters, all the you know the surefire batters are off the table, and everyone's like pitcher time, and then you get a big pitcher <laughs> run in there. <laughs> yeah. So he's right next to Zach Allen, Christian Javier, Joe Musgrove, that's, Robbie Ray. This Justin is McKenzie. this is the that's spot it. that we talk about. You have to call those guys right to make your fantasy season. So Framber Valdez is in that like you got to call him right. I'm on the side that I, I'm i not confident that he's going to be the guy in that range that you want. Okay. So you said, you well, said Zach Gallon. I think he's going to be. I would take Zach Gallon over Framber Valdez next year. I, are we doing head-to-head four categories, five categories? Yeah, head-to-head four categories. Do it. Uh, Yeah, four. Or five cal- categories. Five with innings. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Max Freed. You Darvish, Zach Gallen, Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, Joe Musgrove, Robbie Ray, Tristan McKenzie, Tyler Glasnow, Kyle Wright, and Nestor Cortez. And that is pitcher 20 to 30. If you get those right, you're winning. You're going to win this year. <sighs> Pitching. That least. is the spot that we that we have to study. Oof. Just that Musgrove, Ray, McKenzie. Yep. Is just Terrifying. Like a... <laughs> Terrifying. Yep. Okay, who are we doing next week? We are going to talk about Pablo Lopez. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fancy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too. Yeah.